Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Did Joseph Smith really say that if we were to catch a glimpse of the celestial glory that we would be tempted to commit suicide to get there? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In yesterday's show, we began looking at an address that was given to the student body at Brigham Young University on March 10, 1964. It was given by a man named Eldred G. Smith, who was patriarch to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as we mentioned yesterday, this was a pretty important position, even though in the late 1970, this position was dissolved. So far in this talk, Mr. Smith has been explaining how he worked on the Manhattan Atomic Energy Project at the Oak Ridge facility in Tennessee during World War II. And he's going to use his experiences as an engineer to try to make some points to support what he believes to be true LDS teaching. Well, now we're into his talk to where he has just given this story about a woman who had dropped her ring in a glass that had acid in it, and the ring basically dissolved. She said, I dropped my ring in this glass, and it is all dissolved. It's gone. Smith goes on to say that a scientist that was there, or a chemist, I guess he wasn't sure, said, oh no, your ring is not gone, it's still there. She could not understand that, but he who knew the law added some kind of salts to the acid, which caused the gold to condense, formed a ball in the bottom of the glass, he reached in, took it out, she took that little ball of gold to a goldsmith, and the goldsmith made her a new ring. The point he's trying to make is, even though when we die and we are decomposed, God is going to put us together in the resurrection and we are going to have perfected bodies that are going to obviously last throughout eternity. No argument from us there so far. But this is what he goes on to say after he tells that story. Through the gospel, we learn that there are different degrees of glory in this resurrection through the atonement of Christ who had the power to break the bonds of death and bring about a resurrection. He has made it possible for every human being that comes on this earth to be resurrected, regardless of color, race, age, when or where he ever lived or died on this earth. Every human being on this earth will be resurrected. And again, we would have no argument with what he has said in that particular paragraph. But then he goes on to say this. Therein, we come to the answer of the difference between being saved and being exalted. I have heard many a preacher on the street corner, as you have no doubt, and many a lecturer of sectarian religions who preach to come forth and confess Christ and be saved. That is all they teach. Let me stop you there, Eric, because I think he just now entered into a straw man argument. But before we get to that, let me bring up what he says earlier. Therein we come to the answer of the difference between being saved and being exalted. 
I hope our listeners are catching this. Eldred G. Smith fully understands that when you use the word salvation as a Christian, you probably are not defining it the way Eldred G. Smith would define it. And again, this is an important lesson here. When we are talking with our LDS friends, definitions become very important. I have heard Latter-day Saints use the word saved without defining what they mean by that term. And even for a person such as I who has studied this for much of my life, it can be very confusing. This is why it's important to have them kindly explain to you when they use the word saved, what do you mean by that? Here we see Elder G. Smith making it very clear that there is a difference between being saved and being exalted. So in other words, when we are talking with our LDS friends and we want to discuss the subject of salvation, it behooves us to be more specific. Instead of asking a Latter-day Saint, well, what does it take for you to be saved? You would be better served in understanding each other if you were to ask them, what does it take for you as a Latter-day Saint to be exalted? Why do we ask it that way? Because exaltation is what most Latter-day Saints are seeking after they die. They're not just looking to be resurrected from the dead and then placed in some lower degree of glory like the terrestrial or the telestial kingdoms. They want to make it to the top level. Bill, you're making a great point. We do have a different uh, way of understanding the same words. I mean, when we're talking about salvation, this is confusing for a lot of Christians. If you're ever in doubt as a Christian talking to a Latter-day Saint, and you're not quite sure what that person is saying or what they mean by it, I think you need to ask the question, what do you mean when you say salvation? What do you mean when you say exaltation? You're going to have to know a little bit of, of the difference to be able to have communication happen, but I think you're making a great point, Bill, that he is explaining being saved here is being resurrected is all it is, versus being exalted. That's what eternal life is in Mormonism. Well, when Elder G. Smith goes on to say that many a lecturer of sectarian religions who preach to come forth and confess Christ and be saved, that is all they teach, that's what I mean by a straw man. Now, we do believe that we are justified by faith. Romans 3.28 makes that very clear. You cannot argue that point. Paul makes it very clear we're not saved by our works. In Mormonism, to be saved or exalted, certainly you must have good works. You must be consistent at those works. But when Smith says that is all they teach, well, that's not really true. We may teach that our faith justifies us, yes, but that's not all we teach. We're not downplaying the necessity of having a life that honors and glorifies our God. Most certainly we teach that we should have good works. There's a lot of verses that support that in the New Testament. Well, I mean, one verse that's oftentimes recited by Latter-day Saints is James 2.20, faith without works is dead. They'll say that to us as if we have never heard that. Of course we've heard that, and we believe what James is saying is true. But the Bible says, according to Paul in Romans 3.28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You can go to Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. You can even go to Ephesians chapter 2, where it says that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. But what does Paul do in verse 10? He says, 
For we are God's workmanship, created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So as Bible-believing Christians, we do believe in justification by faith alone, but we believe that we're saved unto good works, and that's what we call sanctification. Now, Mr. Smith is going to go on in the next paragraph to say the Lord has told us of three degrees of glory. There are three, quote-unquote, heavens, as it is often referred to. We call them the telestial, terrestrial, and the celestial. I cannot for a minute conceive the telestial being hell either because it is considered a heaven, a glory. Now, the problem is the Doctrine and Covenants does refer to the telestial as being hell. Now, how he is defining this, of course, is another matter. But he goes on to say this in the next sentence. The prophet Joseph Smith told us that if we could get one little glimpse into the telestial glory even, the glory is so great that we would be tempted to commit suicide to get there. Now, I have heard Latter-day Saints use this, and it usually comes up whenever the topic of eternal judgment comes up. And they want to show that their belief system is much more superior because they really don't have a doctrine of eternal judgment. Now, that's not true, folks. They most certainly do. The fact that an individual is going to be assigned to either the terrestrial or telestial kingdom, you have to admit, comes about as some form of judgment. They're not going to get into the celestial kingdom where most Latter-day Saints want to go. They would not be with their family throughout eternity. They will not become gods and be able to create their own worlds and to populate those worlds in the next life. Now, Smith is going to talk about that later on. But the question I want to ask is, did Joseph Smith really say that? Now, I've spent many years looking for that quote. I would love to find the genesis for that statement. I don't know where Eldred G. Smith gets this, but I can't seem to find it. And I, he doesn't give a reference in this talk. There's no footnote for that statement. Well, there's a uh, Mormon scholar, his name is Truman G. Madsen. He doesn't know where it's found either. In his book, The Radiant Life, on page 91, he says this, Many of us have heard the statement made and ascribed to either Joseph Smith or Brigham Young, to the effect that if a person could see the glory of the celestial kingdom, he would commit suicide to get there. If only we could get the fundamental doctrines across the church members as rapidly as we get across rumors, everyone would be saved. Let me stop you there, because it sounds like Truman Matson is basically saying that Eldred G. Smith is passing on rumors. And I would agree, because there doesn't seem to be any proof that Joseph Smith said this, and Truman Madsen is going to go on to explain. Am I saying that's a rumor? Well, I am saying this, that over a period of many years, I have combed everything Joseph Smith said and wrote, and I can't find it. Hugh Nibley has done the same with Brigham Young's words, and he can't find it. It is hard to prove a negative, of course. What I can say is that we have found a statement from Joseph via Wilford Woodruff that says something else that is close, and I suspect it is the origin of the alleged statement. And then he says, see Diary of Charles C. Walker, August 1837 in Church Historical Department. He says, Elder Woodruff said, the prophet taught this roughly that if we could see what is beyond the veil, we couldn't stand to stay here in mortality for five minutes. And I suggest from the context that he was not talking about the celestial kingdom. He was talking about what it was like to be in the presence of God in the family. 
Now, here's my objection to his conclusion on that, because it would seem to me that if a person was even to get a glimpse of what was beyond this veil, according to the teachings of the LDS Church, wouldn't you get more of a grand picture of, okay, you've got the good stuff at the top, let's say, the celestial kingdom, three levels of the celestial kingdom at the very top, you get exaltation. Then you have the terrestrial, then you have telestial. Wouldn't you get a glimpse of everything behind the veil? That's kind of how I take it. So I don't know if I were to get a glimpse behind this proverbial veil, according to how it's understood in Mormonism, would I really want to commit suicide to get there, knowing there's a lot of tragedy beyond that veil as well? The only way I would feel encouraged is, of course, if I end up in the celestial kingdom, but you can't get into the celestial kingdom, you would think, by committing suicide. That's kind of out of the question. You're not supposed to do that, according to Mormonism. One other thing I want to comment on, and you referred to it earlier, where Smith said, I cannot for a minute conceive the celestial being hell. And yet, in Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 84, it talks about being thrust down to hell in connection with the celestial kingdom. So it's right there in the scripture, and it refers to it as hell. Well, tomorrow's show, we're going to continue looking at this talk that was given by Eldred G. Smith, Patriarch of the Church, a talk titled Exaltation, given on March 10th, 1964. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.